0: I think there's sort of two types of people in this world. There are people who love change, and they love to make new things, and they love to change the systems that they have, and they love to reform things. Then there's people who don't. There are some of us who like things to stay the same, and we like what is familiar, and we like seeing the same things every day, and getting into routine, and you know, I don't think either of those things are bad necessarily. I've worked in workplaces where sometimes we were changing things every week. And we have people who are coming up with new ideas of how things could be more efficient or how things could just work better. And I've worked in places where it seems like nothing ever changes and nothing ever really gets done or improved because the current system works and it's just, it's okay and there's nothing wrong with it so we don't change it. I can kind of bounce between these two. I find that for myself, I bounce between these two things every once in a while. Sometimes I get frustrated and I want something to be new or reformed. And other times I, I just feel comfortable and I change can be a lot of work. And I just wanna stay how it is. But something that I think is really interesting about being a christian is that following jesus draws us to new things god is about doing a new thing i believe this and i i want us to look at some ways that this happens in scripture but for those of us who are always wanting to change we have to recognize that we need to stay grounded in god's word and there are things that are unchanging about God. God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, and He always will be. And there are things about the character of God that never change. And we have to wrestle with that. And others of us, we have to wrestle with the fact that we want us, we might want things to stay the same, but God's God's kingdom is ever-changing. There's people coming into the kingdom of God and There are new acts of mercy and compassion that we might be drawn to when we follow Jesus, and there might be new things that God is doing in the world. And we have to be able to say, like, okay, we are going to be obedient to follow Jesus where he leads us. We can't get too caught up in one or the other of wanting things to stay the same, or wanting things to always be new and fresh and exciting. There is that tension in Christianity, and we have to figure out where we land. So today we're talking about God doing new things. And with that in mind, we are turning to scripture. And we have a bit of a longer passage today. It's a bit of a story, so it should be a little easier to follow along, though. Today we're looking at Matthew chapter 8, verse 1, all the way to 13. Matthew 8, verse 1 to 13. It says this, Large crowds followed Jesus as he came down the mountainside. Suddenly, a man with leprosy approached him and knelt before him. Lord, the man said, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. And instantly the leprosy disappeared. Then Jesus said to him, don't tell anyone about this. Instead, go to the priest and let him examine you. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy this will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. When Jesus returned to Capernaum, a Roman officer came and pleaded with him, Lord, my young servant lies in bed paralyzed and in terrible pain. Jesus said, I will come and heal him. But the officer said, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come into my home. Just say the word from where you are, and my servant will be healed. I know this because I am under the authority of my superior officers, and I have the authority over my soldiers. I only need to say, go, and they go, or come, and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Turning to those who were following him, he said, I tell you the truth, I haven't seen faith like this in all Israel. And I tell you this, that many Gentiles will come from all over the world, from east and west, and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at the feast in the kingdom of heaven. But many Israelites, for those whom the kingdom was prepared, Will be thrown into outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the Roman officer, Go back home. Because you believed, it has happened. And the young servant was healed that same hour. One thing I love about this passage of scripture is just where it lands in the Bible. What I love about reading the Bible is that it's all one story and it all points to Jesus. If you tend to read the Bible irregularly or maybe every day, but you only ever read like a chapter at a time, I think you can miss out on the story of the Bible. I would encourage you to maybe just sit down one day and decide to just read a, a big chunk of scripture. Read a whole book in one sitting, because then it becomes a lot easier to read the Bible as one story instead of little bits of scripture here and there. And I think you'll always get something new Out of the Bible when you choose to change the way that you read it. But that's an aside. If you have been reading through the New Testament with us on this Bible Project reading plan, you might remember that in the video on Matthew, they talk about Jesus being set up as this new Moses. Moses was a savior in the book of Exodus, who the Israelites knew well, and he freed the people from slavery in Egypt. And one of his most memorable scenes is an Exodus, where he's gone up on Mount Sinai, and he's been there for like 40 days and 40 nights, just being in the presence of God, and learning the law that God had set up for his chosen people, the Israelites. And he spends 40 days on this mountain, receives the law, and then he comes down to share it with the Israelites. But when he comes down, he sees that they've set up a false idol for themselves. They'd made this golden calf that they were worshiping, And Moses is just furious at their unfaithfulness and he breaks the two stone tablets, destroys the calf, and then a plague was sent on the Israelites, and many people died. It was a a harsh scene. But what we see in the story of Jesus is one of his most memorable scenes where he goes and spends 40 days in the wilderness. And he's fasting and he's tempted by the devil to sin. And after that, he launches into his public ministry. And the book of Matthew has him quickly go on top of a mountain to preach and to lay down the new law that his followers would have to listen to. And a lot of it is turning the old law that Moses had made upside down, or taking it a step further, or just changing it in a way that more aligns with what God's heart for the world is. The Sermon on the Mount is really like Jesus most condensed, most um, most important description of how he wants us to live. And it says that after he does this, large crowds were following him as he came down the mountain. But then he is confronted by a man with leprosy. Leprosy was and still is a horrible disease. Today we can cure it, but for most of history it was basically seen as a death sentence. It's this infection that starts to change a person's skin to a kind of like patchy white. And in different spots on their body, they could lose feeling and sometimes they would even lose body parts as an infection would grow or as injuries happen to their fingers or their, their feet that they can't feel. In the Middle Ages, if you were diagnosed with leprosy, because there was no cure, the local minister would basically perform a funeral for you. They would read your eulogy because you could no longer be around anyone. Your life was functionally over. In Jesus' time, the lepers had to live outside the city in these colonies, and if a person with leprosy ever got around other people, they would have to yell, unclean, unclean, so that everyone else knew to stay away. The Jewish people had rules that you had to stay two meters away from them, or if you were downwind of them, you needed to get 45 meters away from them. And so this is Jesus putting his words into practice. He's preached grace and compassion and a different way of living. And then this leper appears in front of Jesus and Jesus doesn't run. He doesn't get two meters away. It says he's filled with compassion. And the leper says, Lord, making him the first person in the Gospels to refer to Jesus as Lord. If you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. The leper doesn't doubt Jesus' ability. He understands the power that Jesus has. He only asks to see if Jesus might be willing. And Jesus reaches out and he touches him. He touches the leper. Jesus reaches out and touches a man who could never have been considered clean this man could never enter the presence of God in the temple he could never be with God's people worshiping because he would never be considered worthy and it might have been years since this man had felt the touch of another person until he gets in the presence of Emmanuel God with us who has compassion and reaches out and touches him and if you can just imagine the drama of this situation for a moment, there's these huge crowds following Jesus down the mountain, and they're in awe of what he has told them. And then he is confronted by a person who they have been told to stay away from for their whole lives. And if you remember what it was like to be in a public place in 2020, when the pandemic had started, and you hear somebody coughing nearby, and you just wanted to get away from that person to avoid the risk of catching COVID, and we were trying to keep six feet away from other people all the time, Imagine what it was like to see a leper with this horrible, incurable disease that would ruin your life if you caught it. And other people like Jesus, other rabbis in this situation, there was no way they were helping this man. Other rabbis actually used to brag about how poorly they would treat lepers. It was like a status thing to say that you would disrespect them. They would throw stones or they would take long detours just in order to avoid people with leprosy. But this rabbi, Jesus, he reaches out and touches him, healing him, and then he says, and this is interesting, he says, don't tell anyone what happened. Because now I think he's had this large crowd of people following him, and he's able to say to this man that he's healed, don't tell anyone. So it kind of seems like that whole crowd cleared out. They saw the man with leprosy and they were like, nope, I'm out of here, and they got out of the area because if they had stayed, they would have just seen what happened and word would have gotten out no matter what. I think by the time that Jesus healed this man, the chaos had died down and it was probably just him and the leper and maybe the disciples. Jesus healed this man and gave him new life. And then we jump right into Jesus being met by another man A Roman centurion. Now, Jesus, you would think, along with his followers, would have hated this man. He was a part of the oppressive Roman army that ruled over the Israelites, and he says to Jesus that his servant is sick, and instead of saying, no, I don't help the Romans because they don't help us, Jesus actually offers to go into the man's house and to see his servant who is sick. He was really putting into action what he had just said in his Sermon on the Mount. Jesus was loving his enemies. He was going one step further than what was expected, because Jewish people did not go into non-Jewish people's homes. The homes of Gentiles were considered unclean. But Jesus makes this offer. And the Roman centurion then blows Jesus away by saying, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come into my home. Just say the word from where you are and my servant will be healed. The centurion gives Jesus authority by calling him Lord, puts himself down by saying he's not worthy to have Jesus come into his home, and he acknowledges Jesus' power, saying that if he just speaks a word, the servant can be healed. This was not your typical Roman military offer, sir. And just like with the leper, Jesus is moved to compassion. He then turns to those around him and acknowledges that the kingdom of God is changing. The doors are opening. Jesus didn't just come for the Jewish people. Jesus came for everyone. The kingdom of God is going to look so much different than we expect because there are going to be people who we would not have placed there who are present. And then he heals the servant. Jesus wasn't who people expected him to be. He honestly was a lot better. His friends right until the end thought he was going to be a military leader who freed them from the Roman empire. And instead he created a kingdom where radical compassion and forgiveness and healing would take place and all would be welcome. The people that you would least expect to be in the kingdom of God were going to be there. And it's still the same today. When I worked at an auto wrecker, when it came up that I went to church or was planning to go into ministry, I would often hear coworkers joke that they couldn't go to church because they would just burn up if they walked inside one of our buildings. And they were joking. They maybe partially believed it. They were joking that they were too far gone to be saved. Like God would be too mad at what they had done to save them. And I would just want to get through to them. That's kind of the point. We are all way too far gone on our own to be saved. You're not going to find your own way to be worthy of what God offers us. That's why we have Jesus. Just like this leper was never going to be considered clean enough to worship in the temple. Just like this Roman officer was never going to be welcome to worship God with the rest of God's people. Jesus made a way. Jesus met them where they were and gave them what they needed and you might feel like you have done things that you could never be forgiven for. You might be walking in shame and guilt, trying to reconcile who you are with what you've done in the past. But Jesus offers forgiveness. Jesus offers a chance to be restored. Jesus was showing people that something new was coming. There was going to be a new way to experience God because God was among us. And he offered a new way to live, a new way to be saved, I believe that he still does that. God is in the business of doing new things in our lives. He gives new life. He pours himself out in new ways. We've been following this story at Asbury University, and it's amazing to see the outpouring that's happening there because it's a new generation rising up and experiencing a new move of God. It's the same God that always has been and always will be, but he is pouring himself out on a new generation. And I'm just believing that we're going to see fruit out of this outpouring in that school. That's going to hopefully breathe new life into our churches in North America. And already we're seeing other universities follow as they have their own around-the-clock worship times. And I don't know if those are necessarily revivals or outpourings in the same way. I don't know if they're experiencing the same kind of presence of God that's manifested at Asbury, but I think at worst, they are proving that they are hungry for a move of God in their own lives, and they want to see God do something new in them. The worst case scenario is that a new generation is pressing into God, and I believe that God will meet them where they are. God wants to do something new. And I also believe that God wants to reach someone new. There are so many people in our lives who don't know Jesus yet. There's so many people who are represented through this congregation that we are praying for. There's friends and relatives and people who we just hope will one day come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And I believe that God wants to reach new people. In 2023, there's gonna be people all around the globe who experience Jesus for the first time, who meet with him for the very first time. And we get to be invited into that, which is so beautiful. So my question for you today, as we kind of wrap up this message, is just how can you partner with what God is doing? How can you partner with God's new thing? Just a a couple thoughts on that. First off, ask God how you can be involved. We need to press into God, spend time worshiping, praying, and listening to what the Holy Spirit might be speaking to you, but how you can experience a new thing in your life. And as you do that, I believe that God is going to speak to people in our congregation. I believe that God is going to call things out of different people in this congregation and he's going to ask us to get involved in a new work in our lives. And as we do that, it's also my encouragement to you that you would just stay rooted in scripture. Sometimes these outpourings and these revivals can go off track when they when they lose focus on what, what we know is true about God that we find in scripture. And uh, I understand we don't want to put God in a box. We don't want to have an A a closed-minded idea of what God is but we do we do believe that God has revealed his character and how he operates through Scripture. So we stay rooted in Scripture and and hopefully as you're pressing into God it actually ignites a love for the Scriptures. Ignites a passion to know who God is and to know his character and to understand what Jesus asked of his followers. And third, as we partner with God's new thing, I just encourage you to continue to grow your faith. Stay rooted in scripture. Continue to ask God how you can be involved. But when you grow your faith, sometimes you actually have to step out in faith. You may have to go where you haven't gone before. You might have to do things that you aren't necessarily comfortable with in your own power, but you grow your faith. See, Jesus was God, but he was also a man. And I don't know when he, when he reached out and touched that leper, maybe he was having thoughts in the back of his mind, like, this is a bad idea. I really don't want to get leprosy for myself. but he was faithful to what he believed that God the Father was telling him to do. And he reached out and touched this man and he experienced a miracle. The classic examples of of not God is seeing Peter step out of the boat. The disciples are in the boat and they see Jesus walking on the water towards them. And Peter says, if it's really you, Jesus, tell me to come onto the water and walk towards you. And he does. How many of us would actually get out of a boat and believe that we're going to walk on water? How many of us have been prompted by the Holy Spirit to do something in our lives to go help somebody or to serve somebody or to sacrifice something of ourselves? And we've actually stepped out in faith and done it. We need to grow in our faith. We need to grow in our capacity for following Jesus. And fourth, I guess, to grow your faith is to be near other faithful people. If you want to be involved in God doing something new, I would encourage you get in community. Be with God's people. Be listening together for what God might be saying, because God doesn't necessarily call you. He might call your community to something, and you might have to go with them we are so influenced by the people that we surround ourselves with, and you may need to just be around other faithful people who are going to help to grow your faith. If you share your dream with somebody and they say, no, that, that won't work. Like here's, here's three reasons why that won't work. But you believe that it's actually something that God has called you to. You need to get around people who are going to believe that with you, who are going to pray about that with you, who are going to discern that calling with you. And I believe that that is where we're going to see God do new things in our lives, in our church, in our cities, in 2023, and hopefully the rest of this decade. I'm just believing that God wants to do something new in us. There are so many people who need hope. There's so many people who need something from God, something to hold on to. They need to hear that there is hope available to them, that there is new life available to them. So we need to get with other faithful people. We need to stay rooted in scripture. We need to grow our faith. And we need to just ask God, God, what is it that you might have for me? How can I be involved in what you're doing in the world? And then we step out and we go. Let's just pray together to close as we believe God for new things in 2023. God, I thank you for your word and for the encouragement that it gives us. I thank you for examples like you going and touching a leper or offering hope to a Roman centurion. Jesus, I thank you that You showed us what it looks like to talk the talk, but also to walk the walk. And I just pray that we would, we would just follow in your footsteps, that you would make us more like you. That we would have faith to follow you just boldly to proclaim your word and to believe that you want to do something new in the world. Stir up a hunger in our hearts, Lord. And I pray for every person who's listening to this message. I pray that they would just be believing along with us. That they would be hungry for a move of God. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, if you are watching or listening to this message and you aren't connected to a church, but you're in the city, we would love to get to know you, uh, to meet you. We are in Winnipeg and we meet every Sunday morning at 1042 Jefferson at 945 and 1115 AM. And there's a Ukrainian service at 2 PM. And we would love to get to know you. Uh, if you're not able to make it in person, we're so glad that you're watching online and we we love our online community. Um, and we're, we're just so grateful that, uh, that just a handful of you show up every week and watch these messages and leave comments. And um, we hope that you continue to be encouraged by it and uh, that it it does grow your faith wherever you may be. And if you need anything from us or you need to know anything from us, you can find what you need to know uh, in links below this video or below this podcast if you're listening. And we would just love to get to know you, connect with you, And we hope that you have a great week. God bless you. And we'll hopefully see you next week again.